And hello, I'm Krista McDonald, and thanks so much for tuning in today. Elliot Robertson is a writer and a spiritual growth coach. His book, Say Yes to Life Again, was published in 2019. He has written devotionals for Daily Word magazine, and his articles have been published in major publications, including Miracles Magazine and Science of Mind. As a coach, he supports clients make the pivot from living in anxiety to living in the flow. And the reason why I have Elliot on, as he was just a guest, I think, in June or July, is that we're going to be talking about the topic of compassion today, compassion for each other. And in today's world, that word is so important. And Elliot is going to be interviewing me on my past experience, life's experience of overcoming adversity. So I'm so delighted to have you with us today, Elliot. How are you? Very good. It's such a pleasure to be uh, back on your show again, and I love having the opportunity to ask you questions this time. Oh, well, we are the Mutual Admiration Club, so I appreciate it. This is kind of fun, and, you know, we had some great conversations after the last time you were on the show about this very topic, so fire away. The show is yours today. Uh, Thank you. I'd like to start by introducing you. I know most of the listeners probably know quite a bit about you by now since you've had the show for a while. And at the same time, there may be some new people listening. Christine McDonald has a dream, had a dream. She was on her way to Hollywood to become an actress and a television host. While her dream was unfolding, Kristen suffered a number of accidents and found out that she has a degenerative eye condition for which there is no cure. The condition called RP for short has now taken almost all of her eyesight. Unable to achieve her long-term dream, Kristen recreated herself and managed to deal with the hand that she had had been dealt. Today, Kristen is a motivational speaker, workshop leader, and author. As you all know, she hosts this radio show, Second Vision. Second Vision is not only the name of this radio show, but it's also the name of her dynamic system. Second Vision is designed to help participants create a new vision for their life when their first vision fails. Kristen will tell you that though her eyesight is poor, her vision is perfect. You know, Kristen, we were talking a little bit about your experience with your loss of eyesight not too long ago. And you shared with me a little bit about uh, your experience with the doctors in the medical world back when your vision began to deteriorate. And you were frustrated by a number of things not going the way you wanted them to. I'm wondering if you could share with all of us a little bit about that moment in your life, especially about the frustration you felt and any other feelings such as sadness or anger, either the feelings in the context of your medical journey or your life journey. Well, first, Elliot, thank you for the for the gracious introduction. I'd be happy to because I think this very topic is so important. Somehow, as this all happened to me, this area became very important for me to share with people because I learned over time that it wasn't just me that had a terrible, devastating experience with a with a bad um, delivery of a diagnosis. It wasn't so much the diagnosis in the long run, it was the delivery, the way it was delivered from the doctor's words from, from their mouths. I am not the only person that has ever experienced this. So starting with my own story, first of all, I was in deep denial. It's part of my speeches and my, my, uh, my story that uh, I was 
tripping and falling, as you said, and not knowing what was going on. When I finally got to the point where I'd broken my arm for the second time, because I was becoming klutzy, my night vision was going, but my day vision was good enough to drive. I could still see pieces, you know, faces, and I could read and whatnot. So I never anticipated something like this would happen. The first people who diagnosed me, uh, there were two different sets of doctors that, and, and those experiences were very negative. I remember being in Hollywood in an office, going in just for a pair of an, an eye check, thinking maybe I needed glasses, and and looking at the guy's face, I could feel his face and see his face. It, he, he was just so fearful, and he took me into the other room, and they both looked at me and said, "You may have a brain tumor, you know, or something something called uh, you know retinitis pigmentosa." I'd never even heard of it, and I was. Oh, shaken. I came out of there my whole dream. Here I was driving a little red sports car. I had an agent. I had just landed a role in a soap opera. I was 29 years old. Everything was unfolding for me. And I remember driving down Hollywood Boulevard when I left there. Firstly, they, they shouldn't have even told me that because I had to wait a month before I saw somebody else, a specialist. They were only optometrists and ophthalmologists. I mean, no, optometrists' office. And I, I remember just, it was like a big balloon bursting in front of me, my whole, my anxiety over what might happen. You know, was I either going to die or go blind? And so three weeks later, I ended up in another office in Marina Del Rey. And, I, you know, with, with credit to these doctors, they meant well, okay? But in that span of, not to be so long-winded here, but this, this, is, a, this is the story, in the span of that three weeks when I was waiting from one doctor to the next, that optometrist, his assistant, kept calling me on my machine, you know, the old days when we had machines, and he would say, I, you know, my nephew has this RP, I hope you don't have it, he can't go into crowds, he can't do anything, he's so hard to go blind, and oh, let us know, and he would, it was almost as if he was harassing me, and he meant well, this is the funny part, the next doctor I saw, I sat in an office, and when he he definitively diagnosed me with this unusual eye condition that came out of nowhere, I was looking for his hope. I was looking for hope. I was looking for strength. I was there alone. I had moved out here. I didn't have much family. And when he saw that I wasn't taking it well, you know, the shock of it all, I, the tears started to come down my face because I could only be so strong. And he looked at me and he said, you know, you need to buck up and deal the life that the, the hand of cards that life has dealt you, you know. Now, can you imagine? I had had only moments to digest this, and I was devastated. And so that sent me into um, a rather dark place, you know, for about a few weeks. I went home to visit my parents in Canada, and um, it wasn't until I, I found a compassionate doctor who re-diagnosed me with the same condition at UCLA a few, maybe a month later, and they ran definitive tests, that he gave me with the words he said to me, you can lead a full life. This may not get you till you're 99. You can do some magnificent things. And he started citing examples of all these people who had been blind, who had done incredible things. And so... Yeah, I think it's important, and that's why I'm going to be out speaking to doctors and workshops at continuing medical education courses next year about this very topic. And then, then I learned other families. I started talking to other people, and one after the other told me the same thing, that they had people, doctors diagnosing them without compassion. They, they spent years in medical school learning about the disease, but only minutes on how to diagnose it. 
Wow, that's like light and day, the difference between some doctors and then that other doctor who yes. uh, gave you the new diagnosis. Yes. And the people around them, the optometrist who meant well. They all meant well. It was the delivery, you know. And so I, I learned in that time in my life that words can make or break you. Yes, that is powerful. I'm wondering if... um you might want to also speak a little bit about the feelings of uh, sadness and anger and frustration or whatever feelings were emerging in your life journey, uh, apart from just the focus on the medical journey as well. Absolutely. You know, my, my sister, who was on her way to becoming a social worker, uh, when, when her life was derailed, you know, she was 28, she got hit by a drunk driver, uh, she's reinvented herself to becoming an author and an editor, but she's, we always have these deep talks, and she helps me with my speeches, and she'll say, you need to tell people this, because I'm always happier being funny and entertaining, you know, and telling stories. But the truth is, you can't live through something like this without going through the darkness first. And loss is a very difficult thing, whether it's loss of a loved one, whether it's loss of your eyesight, you know, and when you're... When you lose your eyesight, not only do you lose the ability to see, but you lose the ability to do so many things you love to do, not just seeing them, but isolation is a factor. Um, one by one, things are taken from you. You know, I had to, giving up my bicycle was harder than giving up my car keys, practically. I used to ride my bike around Beverly Hills before work every morning, uh, you know, being physically active and independent, having to ask people for help for everything. So, yes, I went through a period where uh, I found a counselor, but I didn't find that counselor to be compassionate either. It took me time to find someone really good to work with, two different people over the years, somebody at the Center for the Partially Sighted who helped me, you know, face to get out of denial and embrace the blindness and carry a white cane and learn independent living skills because I was living on my own, away from family, miles away from family. Um, I was very much in a depressed state in the very beginning, but I had to come back and sort of pick up my life and, and reinvent myself. It really was about reinventing myself, give up the idea of acting and go behind the scenes and work behind the scenes instead, make different choices with my life. Uh, so I did still work in Hollywood. I worked in production on a lot of fun shows for a lot of top producers, but it wasn't my first dream. And it's funny how you can find purpose through adversity because now speaking has become uh, something I very much enjoy and giving back, but it's, it's with a greater purpose now. It's in a different area, uh, but it's utilizing those same skills, you know, that I, the communication skills that I went to school for. Yeah, I can see how... Um... You really made tremendous strides on your journey towards um, being able to accept the losses and being able to find new ways of um, uh, going forward in your life with things that you found satisfying, like different things to do in, a, in perhaps the same Hollywood context, which is all very beautiful. I'm also wondering if we might be able to just backpedal a little bit and um, I do, I'm just curious about how your initial response uh, to the losses might have been. Uh, maybe there were some expectations that weren't being met. Uh, maybe there was some fighting and some resistance going on. I'm just curious to know, you know, uh, what, what happened before you came into the state of acceptance? 
Oh, yes, because acceptance, which is the first stage of step of my system, acceptance, appreciation, and taking the right action. Those are the triple A's. That's what Second Vision is all about. Um, acceptance doesn't happen overnight. Uh, you know, you can talk to someone maybe who's in AA, and they'll tell you the same thing. You know, I mean, acceptance is is usually, I say that because, you know, I think that's part of their 12-step program from what I understand. Um, acceptance is is something that takes time. I mean, even after accepting certain parts of the the diagnosis and the reality, it still took me many years before I, I carried a white cane. I tripped down a flight of stairs with a friend on top of me until I was forced into carrying it, you know. So I, I did go through many moments of fear, anxiety, um, suppression of the feelings because I had to just, you know, go to work and function, um, continue to socialize. I got into maybe certain relationships that weren't as satisfying or with someone who was as loving because I was afraid to sort of be myself. You know, my doctor kept telling me, don't tell people about the diagnosis, hide it from your employer. Um, you know, keep it as low as possible because you might be fired. You know, there was all this, all this fear and anxiety going on all the time. Wow. Uh, that's quite a lot to deal with. A lot to and, deal with. Yes. And at the same time, um, it sounds to me like you didn't really notice that there was another possibility beyond all of that stress and all of that hiding and you may have not even noticed that the denial was going on uh, to a degree. I I'm just wondering um, if, you know, what it is that we need to do to um, realize that there is the possibility of acceptance or, compassion or a compassionate response available to us. Yes. Now, it, ask me again. Um, you, you want to know, is there a... Well, I mean, just I just was sure. hoping I was hoping you might be able to say something about how we can become aware of the possibility of accepting our condition, or how we can step into acceptance might be a simpler way to put it. Yes, well, I mean, that happened over time, but it also happened with a lot of compassionate people around me. For instance, the first mobility counselor I had, she became my friend. And she helped me, you know, organize my apartment when I was working full-time and purge things and showed me where there was a place for everything. And, you know, my brother came to visit and said, wow, you're, you couldn't find your shoes when you're growing up. Now everything's all organized. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so going blind taught me how to be in the moment. Once I started to embrace it and turn it around to make it into, to see the positives, you know, and what I could change rather than what I couldn't change, I started to live more in the moment, which is a, a, a place where we should all be anyway. But it, the very fact of having a degenerative condition also held me in the moment because you're kind of afraid to go in the future. Now I'm living with the hope of more stem cell, but I also learned no matter what happens, I have to be in the moment and, in, and, and enjoy my life as is, no matter what happens, because none of us know. You know the old story, man plans and God laughs. You know, COVID-19 COVID is a perfect example of this. Absolutely. I think there might be quite a few people, um, you know, who I have in my circle who go around um, saying the world should be like this, not like that. Uh, there's a lot of resistance and fighting go going around resistance. as opposed to yes. Uh, acceptance. Yes, yes, that's a good word. And resistance is very powerful, just like denial. Resistance is denial often. 
you were talking about noticing the positive things. And I'm just wondering, it sounded to me like you were talking about appreciation. Yes. And I'd, I'd love to, appreciation is something that um, I love to uh, help clients with because it really is a path to gratitude, I, I feel. It really it is. It is gratitude. Yes, and, and also it, uh, it's sort of starting a starting point for gratitude. It's like uh, gratitude in the mind, and then mm-hmm. from there, gratitude can go down into the heart more. At least that's how I frame it. And I just would love to hear more about um, appreciation as, as it has been showing up for you. Yeah, that's been a, a, a huge part of my life, too, because that's where one of the first counselors, you know, had helped me turn things around. And when I started building my system years later, Second Vision, my, my media coach and I really sat down and we broke it down. I, w- I wrote a workbook on it. And it, <sighs> appreciation is everywhere in your life, really, if you look for it. I mean, unless, of course, you're in one of the fires in Northern California today or, you know, there's so many people that are suffering right now, losing their homes, their jobs. I mean, it's it's very easy, but often we can still find love. We can find love in our life. We can find – I am very lucky, so I I can only talk about myself and my my particular circumstances, my my family support, my friends' support, the people who have come into my life since this happened – I don't know that I would have wanted to live my life without those particular people. Not that I would have chosen to go blind, but they came into my life because I went blind. They were gifts. They were all gifts from, from heaven. Uh, the fact that uh, I found a greater purpose, a more meaningful purpose, in a sense, you know, working with doctors and working with um, uh, being a stem cell advocate. I would have never dreamed I would have been an ambassador for stem cell in the state of California. Um being able to appreciate just being with someone, listening to them, their presence, rather than frowning over the fact I can't see them today, you know, or, or what they're wearing or, um, you know, being able to be grateful for a walk on the beach with a friend, even though I can't go into the ocean alone anymore. Beautiful. Every day we have to make our gratitude list, right? Yes. You know, some people uh, do approach gratitude lists. It's become a popular trend. And I think some people approach it, uh, they might look at the blank page and think to themselves, well, I have health, so I guess I should write it down. And I find that um, when you, it's approached from a position of should, that that kind of um, doesn't make it as powerful as it might otherwise be. And so um, I find that sometimes it might be helpful to start with appreciation and then to translate the uh, things that you appreciate about yourself into gratitude. For example, I might say I appreciate my tenderness, and then I can translate that into I'm grateful for my tenderness. Uh, I just find that um, appreciation can be more accessible sometimes. That's nice. I, I like that. Yeah. Uh, so um, I do enjoy helping clients uh, go in the direction of gratitude by starting with appreciation. Mm-hmm. And I would love to um, just offer everybody a chance to get an exercise 
uh, for no charge, along with a guided visualization, will help people with appreciating. It's called Meditation for Appreciation. And I'd love to uh, let people know how they can get that for free, if that's okay. Of course, absolutely. Yes, I have these free gifts waiting at uh, waiting for you at sayyestolifebook.com. And when you go there, you can just request the free meditation and the free PDF with the exercise in it. And it can just be um, the start of the beginning point of setting your sails, your inner sails, in a new direction towards appreciating life. Uh, just making that pivot to something that has more spaciousness. Appreciation has more spaciousness than going around uh, in resistance and contracting and saying life isn't the way it should be. Don't you think so? Oh, I do. And In fact, I'd like to check out your meditation, too, uh, myself. My, my, my minister at Unity Church years ago used to say, just say yes. She'd end every sermon with, just say yes. So when I, when I heard your book, the title of it, it always made me think of that. She was a very powerful woman. I, I interviewed her on my, my, when I had a cable show on TV on, uh, on a couple of different topics. But, but I know what she meant, and that was be open. You know, stop looking at what you can't do in life and what you can't change and just say yes to the possibilities because you never know what will come into your life by saying yes. That's beautiful. Uh, it reminds me of um, Eric Butterworth. I was so fortunate to be able to go to Eric Butterworth's sermons when I was a teenager before he retired. Uh, I was living in New York back then, and my mother would take me along with her. And um, he wouldn't frame it in terms of just say yes, but I think the message that he gave uh, very often dovetailed with that. It was all about living in non-resistance. So, in other words, it was sort of about uh, going away from the no, from the resistance, into something different. Into something possible, and new possibilities. Yes. Well, I know we're coming up to the end of the radio show, and I'm just so grateful for this chance to have been interviewing you on your radio show. Oh, well, thank you, Elliot. I mean, we could go on forever. You know, it's a really... Uh, it's a beautiful topic, and I think that many people, you know, there's uh, there's so many different points that we could discuss here, you know, especially about taking the right action into your life, you know. I mean, gratitude is something that is so important in everybody's life. And one thing that my sister and I like to share, have been doing lately, especially because of all the unrest in the world right now that's going on with COVID-19, is that I read a book years ago called Three Magic Words, and I, I urge anyone to read it. It's really a nice little read about sort of a metaphysical book. And, you know, we found that the news was draining us. And the other day I said to my sister, listen, let's go on the seven-day mental diet, you know, not talk about the, the negative things in the world we can't change. And so I, my point being, since we're talking about how to reinvent yourself today and, and, and positivity, that cleansing, that detox of the mind is very important. It's just like going on a diet, a mental diet. And if you fall off, you go right back on. But just trying not to say or breathe in anything negative. So important. And even in the last five days, I felt healthier. I found that the, the problems in the world were really draining me lately. And I'm sure other people can relate to that. I appreciate that. I'm pretty sure that that's Emmett Fox's seven-day diet that you're referring to. Yes, I think it is. Thank you. So you yes. you know what I'm talking about. 
Yes, and um, centuries ago, Emmett Fox is rather recent, but going all the way back to the 14th century, Julian of Norwich counseled everyone to dwell in the positive and glance at the negative. And mm-hmm. if she had been around today, she might have said, you know, to dwell in your divine being and to glance at the shadow. Oh, that's wonderful. Wonderful. I love it. Well, Elliot, this has been just a joy. So thank you so much for uh, taking the time to interview me on the topic of compassion. And please tell our listeners one more time your website and the name of your book. And I'm definitely going to check out that meditation. It sounds terrific. Sure. Anyone who would like a free meditation and a free exercise to help you establish the habit of appreciation and set your sails in a new direction can go to sayyestolifebook.com. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening. This is Kristen McDonald for Second Vision, and my guest today and, and host has special, special guest and host, Elliot Robertson. Have a blessed day.